0: How do they do it? Meet the Maker. Love startups? Whether you're a fan or a disruptor yourself, you'll thrive with the trifecta of game-changing people, products, and philosophies in your earbuds. This is Meet the Maker. Cutting-edge interviews with disruptive startup founders. And here's your host, Alison Schaefer.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Meet the Maker podcast, interviews with today's most disruptive entrepreneurs. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Tim Huang. Tim is a big data entrepreneur and senior advisor for government innovation. He currently serves as the founder and CEO of FiscalNote, using artificial intelligence and big data to deliver immediate predictive results uh, for government. He also works as an active, uh, venture capitalist, an angel investor advising in the areas of biotech and robotics. And he's the author of an upcoming book, um, In Between Dreams, How Youth Unemployment Catalyzed a Global Entrepreneurship Movement. So that's all pretty exciting. I've given a cookie cutter intro from you. Um, but could you tell us more about yourself?
0: Uh, yeah. So, uh, my name is Tim, great to be on. Uh, I currently serve as the CEO and founder of a company called FiscalNote, Note, a real-time government analytics platform. So, to go a little bit back into the past and uh, sort of talk a little bit about my background, I uh, was one of the first field organizers for President Obama in 2008, uh, scaled up a lot of their team there. Um, afterwards, uh, when I was 17, I ran for the Board of Education uh, in Maryland, and I won one term there. Uh, served in that capacity, uh, and pushed a lot of initiatives around attendance reform, uh, budgetary cuts and, and whatnot. Uh, afterwards, uh, went to college, uh, studied computer science over at Princeton, uh, and uh, worked pretty heavily in fraud detection algorithms for the federal government. Uh, you know, went to Harvard, studied at the business school, and uh, you know, during my time there, was tapped to head up a policy organization in Washington called the N.Y.A., uh, a center-left grassroots organization about eight hundred thousand members. I uh, led their five hundred one C four and the five twenty seven. And uh, really did a lot of work around advocacy and healthcare and unemployment insurance and education. And uh, that's really where I got the idea for Friscal Note, where as we're pushing forward a lot of different agendas uh, and issues, uh, the, there are a lot of information asymmetries that I just couldn't resolve by having you know, my associates or some of my staff go out and try and uh, collect information. And so uh, pretty frustrated with the situation, I went out and just built out an a, a initial version of the product by myself. And uh, from there, you know, I thought that was a big opportunity and just went after it.
1: Yes. It definitely sounds like some of your experiences um, kind of led to that discovery um, almost on a need basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely.
1: Very cool. Um, so that's kind of the journey on how you've gotten to where you are. But um, what are you involved in right now that's sort of the most exciting now that you've already launched uh, Fiscal Note and really brought, uh, built it out as a, as a product?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm heads down focused on, on building this company. Uh, I mean, that's sort of the uh, what I do all day in terms of thinking about uh, hmm. you know, hiring the best talent for our company, uh, building the best product, and continuing to build a product roadmap for the next three to five years and figuring out uh, where our company is going to be standing in the next, you know, uh, 10, 20 years. And I think, um, you know, all these challenges and questions um, are also... Um, very operational in the sense that you have to build up processes and systems within a company as well as, you know, with your partners and vendors and uh, customers uh, to make sure that everyone is happy. So that's that's pretty much what I'm working on right now.
1: Definitely. Well, hopefully that's pretty exciting for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, It's uh It's stimulating.
1: Cool. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit more about the products um, that Fiscal Note maybe has offered, is currently offering sort of the uh, product journey for you guys?
0: Sure. So the current flagship product that we sell is called Prophecy. Uh, Prophecy is our first foray uh, into the government information space. Basically, what we do is we aggregate legislation across all 50 states and major municipalities in Congress, categorize them into about 60 different initial verticals, ranging from oil and gas, pharmaceuticals, financial services energy whatever you might call it and then run an analytics layer on top of it so things like what are hotly debated issues in legislatures or what is the probability uh, of a bill passing and we created an algorithm that's about 94% accurate in terms of forecasting whether or not a bill is going to pass and so you know our main uh, our main customers in this regard are you know general counsel offices uh, large nonprofits and trade associations any organization really that's touched by government legislation as a subscriber, a potential subscriber to our our company and our services, um, in about two months, we'll be launching a new product called sonar. Um, and there's been a lot of hype around that. Mm. Uh, but sonar is essentially our our product that uh, does is essentially the same thing in the statutes and regulation space um, in the United States. Um, you know, later on in the product roadmap, we're planning on taking this out uh, to about two hundred different countries um, and really looking at an international perspective, of how laws and regulations are changing and how those impact uh, companies in real time
1: that's a lofty goal there um, has anyone um, I'm sure tons of people have came come to you and said man what, what a what a lofty goal here what kind of keeps you going in that direction
0: yeah I think uh, in general this is a, an interesting space that I'm I'm very fascinated by so the, the traditional way of people getting information has been through uh, attorneys or very human capital intensive processes but I think, uh, the advent and the creation of uh, NLP, pars- natural language processing systems, as well as machine learning algorithms that are capable of automating a lot of these processes, allows for a very big opportunity in collecting this information and delivering it to people in a very relevant manner. Um, and so, traditionally, companies like Thomson Reuters, LexisNexis, um, you know, Bloomberg have have really made a a very big business of hiring you know thousands of attorneys and trying to deliver this information in a real-time fashion, but I think, um, you know, having an entire system of computers and algorithms do this uh, essentially changes the game. You know, what used to take 4,000 attorneys, we can now do with eight engineers uh, and one attorney sitting in a room.
1: Sounds pretty disruptive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I like to think so.
1: So you've, you've sort of been able to offer a more simple product than these other Companies, Maybe you could explain some of the simplicity behind your product versus maybe the older conglomerates.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that. Uh, so the simplicity, I think, is good, uh, particularly on the design side. Um, and so uh, one example of this is if you look at a Westlaw or if you look at traditional legal publishing tools, you have to use something called Boolean search. Uh, and so Boolean search is this very, very arcane way of typing in keywords and, and systems um, so that people try and, and, and get at the exact search that they want. Um, in the 21st century, Boolean search doesn't make any sense. So when mm-hmm. you type something into Google, you don't type something, something, and something, something, minus uh, X, Y, Z, or whatever, uh, because that's just now how people work. So simplicity in this regard um, actually requires a lot more engineering to get to that point. Um, but from our perspective, you know, we've been able to build the engineering chops internally to make, a, uh, make and deliver a more simple product Um, that has, you know, higher capability and higher functionality.
1: Definitely. Is that all kind of under wraps or is that anything you could talk about?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. I mean, I think that the big um, sort of internal technologies that we've been able to leverage are building our own natural language processing parser, uh, particularly devoted to the legal space. And so um, you can't really use a a typical NLP parser uh, from Google or from any of the big search giants just because when you apply it to a domain-specific set, Uh, it's very hard for uh, parsers to sort of get through uh, like jargon or or whatnot. So you have to build individual taxonomies um, and and that takes a lot of time and effort um, uh, in addition to a lot of like engineering and policy talent. And and so I think fundamentally, you know, our core technology has been defensible in this regard because we've been able to uh, build these parsers, um, which requires, you know, quite frankly, you know, there aren't too many companies that are out there that have both, the engineering chops and the legal chops. Uh, in many cases, you know, if you go to like a law firm, you know, the attorneys sort of you know wave aside the IT guys and say, "Oh, the IT <laughs> guys want." Um, and if you go to a company like Google, you know, or Yahoo, or whatever the case may be, you know, the, the policy and legal guys are kind of off to the side. Um, and so, merging these two cultures together and, and these two types of um, sort of skill sets together, we've been able to build a pretty strong culture at our company.
1: I think that's actually really amazing. Um, because you're, you're really tapping, you're right. You're really tapping into something special there. I think a lot of private companies are very government averse. Um, and I think there's something to be, to pay attention to about how you guys are able to manage both of those. Um, do you feel like there are some cultural things that you guys have had to kind of work through with that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, on, in terms of merging those two skill sets, um, it's obviously very challenging because not everyone speaks the same language uh, and so the way we've been able to try and merge those together is, is having everyone sort of work towards a product and work towards a common vision um, and uh and you know structurally internally we, we can try and, and mitigate some of the concerns by having regular product meetings or whatever the case may be um, in terms of i guess on on more of an externally focused uh side to the question um i think companies are realizing more and more that they do have to be Uh, aware, at the very least, of uh, what government is doing, uh, particularly with respect to regulators and how that impacts their business. Um, And so, you know, in in a certain regard, I think the current status quo uh, for companies is to be very reactive uh, to government legislation or regulations. Um, But the analytics tools that we provide allow companies to be a lot more uh, proactive in terms of understanding things that are coming down the pipeline. And anticipating any changes um, that might uh, potentially impact the company.
1: I think that's definitely extremely impressive. Um, I I could go on for days about uh, what you just what you just spoke about. Um, just because for my full time job, I actually work in banking, and it def- definitely was hit pretty hard by legislation. So I think that def- businesses have to learn um, to balance that um proactive versus reactive uh nature when dealing with with policy um but i guess we can jump back into talking about your business um what do you see coming or what is the vision for fiscal note
0: yeah i mean i think right now things are pretty nebulous uh we are obviously very focused on getting as much information as possible we uh, at the uh, on our back end we have close to about 14 million um documents, legal documents that we've aggregated and we're analyzing, um, and that, that number obviously grows every day. Um, but as we uh, grow more and more, definitely on an international perspective, I think, uh, particularly with, with with respect to uh, global trade, uh, there's a lot of opportunities for multinationals and companies that are uh, reliant on international supply chains uh, to understand changes in regulations. So if you're, say, a medical device company and you have uh, manufacturing plants in Latvia, you do your packaging in uh, Bolivia, your know, distribution through Mexico into 16 distribution centers in 12 different states in the U.S. At any given point on that supply chain, you want to know uh, if there's a labor law change or if there's a chemical change or if there's some sort of uh, free speech change that might change your packaging or whatever the case may be, um, that might potentially impact the entire company. And so moving along in the, into these sort of industry-specific but also international... Uh, 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 examples. I think there's a lot of opportunities in those in those respects.
1: Great. Um, and for your, your products, um, are they sort of self-serve? Or maybe you could tell us a little bit more about how the customers interact with your product.
0: Sure. Uh, they're all self-serve. Uh, and uh, they're all very, in addition to being self-serve, they're all also very customizable. Um, and so uh, usually uh, our customers don't take more than 10 minutes to learn how to use a platform. Uh, But that being said, uh, you know, we do have dedicated account managers that are ready to uh, assist our customers in terms of learning how to use the the platform or or answer any questions they might have. Um, In terms of engagement, you know, literally uh, what we'll do is we'll assign someone a login credential. They can log in. They can start using the platform, start searching, tracking, monitoring, and analyzing uh, legislation um, in real time.
1: And how is Sonar going to be different from, from your Prophecy offering?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's on the design perspective, they're not going to be too different. Um, the data sets will be uh, fairly different, though. Um, and then the analytics, we're, we're coming out with a, a series of different things, um, uh, most of which I can't comment on right now. But mm-hmm. right. Uh, uh, a lot of the analytics uh, with respect to regulations, uh, what, I, what I can say is that um, a lot of the analysis can be done in the comment section of regulations or in understanding the relationships between statutes and regulations. Um, And so uh, in those cases, which is actually, you know, the fundamental job of a lot of paralegals or um, sort of first, second, third year associates at law firms, uh, we can start automating a lot of those processes.
1: Very interesting. Great. Um, So maybe we could talk a little bit about, obviously, you've gone to many impressive schools and done um, some really great work. But what philosophies have you kind of pulled out of those experiences that, you feel like the most valuable for you um every day
0: sure i think you know when you're a startup founder you try and uh instill even like a couple of your personal values onto the company um which is, is a very interesting sort of propagation of those values just in general to, to think about um but i think you know in terms of business principles um you know sort of delving a lot more to the product i'm uh, very interested in uh, the workflow of individual employees um, and how technology can sort of improve each of each aspect of the workflow. And so, obviously, when it comes to us, you know, helping out, you know, an attorney or whoever might be using our platform, I actually find it pr- particularly interesting to sort of see how they use our platform. And then I use this uh, sort of one product management technique where. Uh, we look at what they're doing on our platform, uh, and we look at what they're doing three minutes before, and then three minutes after, um, and uh, and that you know gets us a good sense into what triggers uh, people going onto the platform and what triggers people going off of the platform. What are they doing afterwards? And so in one case, you know, we were looking at uh, one of our customers who kept going off our platform and you know entering stuff into a spreadsheet. And so we thought, okay, well, this is a pretty easy fix, right? We can actually uh, build an export function where people can just you know click and drag these things and uh, export them into an Excel spreadsheet so that they instantaneously make their jobs easier. Um, So thinking about those workflow processes and how we can continue to capture more and more uh, mindshare and more and more of that workflow through technology, I think is very interesting because once you are able to sort of get rid of all those manual processes, then you sort of start to unlock a lot more strategic questions and operational questions that people... Previously, just haven't had a chance to. You know, just had the time for, um, and I think uh, there's there's a very uh, um, big opportunity in that respect. But you know, more broadly speaking, from a business perspective, I, I one of the things that I've I've learned over time is that um, you know the the biggest asset in a company isn't the technology or the product necessarily. It's it's definitely the people um, and. Uh, I think it's very hard for people in technology to sometimes get that, but um, you know, the, 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 I think the biggest job as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, uh, is definitely to get the right people in the company, um, and then you know to have them foster the relationships within the company to make sure that um, everything is successful. Because at the end of the day, um, in my opinion, uh, an A team in a let's say a C market um, will always pivot to an, an A market, um, but. If you get a, a C team in an A market, that's you're not going to necessarily do too well. Um, and so I, I think from that perspective, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time uh, either recruiting or training or uh, uh, thinking about how to uh, continue to sort of progress the careers of each and every one of our employees in the company.
1: Definitely. Um, that seems to be obviously um, a hot topic right now um and i'm sure you guys are doing a great job because your products are really really awesome and they really reflect it so (laughs) kudos to you um sort of as we wrap up maybe you could say what is the next step or what you guys are kind of working on right now maybe it's the sonar product or is there anything that you might need um a community to give you more feedback
0: on yeah so you know on the product side obviously sonar is our, our, our big um, push into the regulation statute side Well, you know, obviously there's a lot more government information out there uh, and so um, our goal is to continue to sort of consume more and more of that data uh, and make it more and more useful um, so I uh, to be quite frank you know we, we're still in the process of um, you know developing our own product roadmap and trying to understand where that's going to develop um internally, uh, I think the biggest thing for us is we're really starting to scale everything, right? So everything from scaling a sales team to a product team to engineering team. Um and in all those regards, those are very um hard questions for uh you know, first time entrepreneur a tech entrepreneur like myself. Um and so I, I like to seek a lot of guidance from different people around
1: um well thank you so much for your time. Um maybe you could share one piece of advice, and then how folks can get in touch with you.
0: Yeah, great. Um, so one piece of advice that I would give is, uh, <laughs> so to fellow entrepreneurs, I think um, one of the things that I've learned over time is that uh, in the in the course of a startup, there seems to be like five to eight um, of these moments, you know, like we're screwed, it's over moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and they happen pretty often, uh, you know, more often than you would like them to. Uh, and so the only thing that you can do at that point is uh, to, you know, sort of cut out the emotions at that point and be very rational and, and be very determined uh, to try and get to the end point that you want. Um, and I think this is especially important in the early stages where, you know, you have two or three people and if one person doesn't do something, then really doesn't drive that 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 position or whatever the case, or whatever goal it is forward. Um and so, uh, you, you, people just have to be cognizant that it's not like a large organization, right? Like if you don't do the work, then the company doesn't move forward. Um, and uh, and being determined in 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 that respect, I think is very important. Um, and so, uh, you know, great being on. And if you know people want to reach out to me, my email is uh, tim at FiscalNote.com and, uh, and you know happy to you know answer any questions or uh, you know just you know speak with anyone that's interested.
1: Well, thank you so much, Tim. I have really enjoyed talking with you. Um, You're extremely fun to talk to because you're really sharp. Um, It must be that Harvard degree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um,
1: But as always, you can find the links to everything of value I've mentioned and Tim has mentioned on today's episode by going to meetthemaker.co on the homepage. And I will talk to you soon, Tim.